Hello, hello. Welcome back. This is the On Being Christian Podcast. I'm so happy to be with you. My name's Nolan Ruby. I'll be your host. I'm also the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is the church that the On Being Christian Podcast, excuse me, is a ministry out of. And I'm so glad to be back with you. I've been doing some traveling here, and so I've gotten kind of behind. I usually try to post a new podcast every week, um, but I did fall behind. I've been traveling a good bit. And in the time that I have not been able to do this, it has uh, turned into fall on me, which is my wife's favorite time of year. It's the time of the year when everything in my house turns into pumpkin-spiced everything. And um, I love it. I love it because she loves it. My kids love it. Um, we're out here in Utah. We spent this whole last week trying to get up into the Wasatch Mountains as much as we could because of the color change going on right now, Mother Nature, and by that I mean God through his hand on nature, is putting on quite a show. She's absolutely outdoing herself. The Lord's putting on a show, just showing off a little bit through the leaves and the changing of the seasons. It's my favorite time to be in the mountains. I hope you're doing well. It's good to be back with you. I do miss getting these out on a more faithful basis, and so if you've been waiting for this, I certainly do apologize for that. <clears throat> a lot has changed just since the last time that I was able to record a podcast, just in the world, different things going on um, with respect to what has kicked off in Israel and those who are attacking them. All different types of stuff has all taken place just in this last week. And there was a theory, there was a, there was a word that came to mind just trying to keep up and keep track of all of the things that are going on. The idea of weariness kind of settled over my mind because I was very weary. I felt very tired. And so in those instances, um, one of the pastors that trained me, a man who is as my own father, a guy named Ron Tottingham, told me, Whenever I had a question about anything when I was a kid, he would say, you know, son, there's a Bible verse on that. And he's, he's known for that saying, just simply looking at somebody and saying there's a Bible verse on that. And so that rung through my mind, and I wondered, this idea of weariness, we can't be the first generation, especially within Christianity as a whole, to get tired. I don't think that it would be fair to those who the Baptist faith was built on uh, as far as their sacrifices and the things that they gave in times past to say that we have it rougher than them. We certainly do not by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it is a fair assessment to say that we do live in a time that um, creates weariness on the soul, weariness on the mind, weariness on the body. And the Bible does have some things to say about combating weariness. And so without further ado, I'd like to take you to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to find this phrase, which if you want there to be a title to this podcast, I, I suppose this phrase that we're going to find in Proverbs chapter 3 is just as good as any other could be, and it's simply entitled, Neither Be Weary. And so if I read Proverbs chapter 3, 11 through 12, the Bible says here, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Now, I want to talk to you today about the concept of weariness. What does it do to your body? Do we have any right to be weary? At some level, we're human, and so the expectation doesn't really matter because the reality is that weariness is part of the human experience. But as a Christian, we should approach this subject a little bit differently than what I think we may have, <clears throat> excuse me, what I may, what we may have in the past. And so just by way of introduction, let's define some terms here. The word weary, simply a word meaning having the strength or having, to make it personal, having your strength much exhausted to having your strength much exhausted, specifically by toil or violent exertion. And so I see that weariness, as it's defined here in Proverbs chapter 3, 
is a direct, uh, directly related, rather, to the idea of of being in the middle of something that's making you weary. All right. The t- the the definition goes on to simply mean tired or greatly fatigued, having the patience exhausted, or uh, having your mind yielding or yielding your mind to discouragement. I think that's the the real big one here is the mind yielding or giving way to discouragement. And in this time in which we live, discouragement seems to come in waves. It comes and then it recedes or recedes and then it comes and it recedes and it, and it, and it kind of ap- it kind of operates like that on a regular basis and the idea of being weary is just getting tired of that continual onslaught of discouragement. It's more than just the general idea of being tired. It's specifically the idea of being tired of a very particular thing. And so weariness, as we're going to define it today, concerning the thing that we, you and I as Christians are commanded from the Bible to, to combat, it's the idea of being tired that's in it. But it's, it's more specific than that. It's, have your, it's having your strength uh, exhausted by toil with a very particular thing, a very particular, almost singular concept that gets us so exhausted. Usually, sometimes when we get tired, we just kind of take a step back and we don't even really know how to define our weariness. We don't know how to define how tired we are. The reality is, though, that even though we might think it's just kind of an overall sense of exhaustion, there's usually one very particular thing that's causing us to be tired. Everything else is just a symptom of that one thing. And you'll find that throughout the Bible. Jesus Christ, when he was dealing with people on a personal level, always brought his dealings with them down to one very specific, very particular, singular aspect because he knew if he got that aspect from them, or if he could get them to see that aspect of truth with respect to themselves, then the rest of it would go. He would have the entirety of the person. So that's what I'd like to offer you concerning this understanding of the word weary. If this is hitting home a little bit, and you feel exhausted, you feel tired, I'd like to offer just by way of introduction and by way of understanding the concept, I'd like to suggest that you look at a very specific thing. With respect to these verses that we're reading from Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verse 11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. And then it gives you the context. It says, Neither be weary of his correction. So if I'm to understand that correctly, I can understand from this verse that being corrected brings with it a certain amount of weariness. Verse 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. So if I'm being corrected by my heavenly father, from the perspective of the Bible, from the truth of the doctrine of God's word, I know it's because he loves me. He's not correcting me for any other reason. He's correcting me because he loves me. He is perfect. I am not perfect, and as such, I should be very welcoming, even expectant, of his correction in my life. When you are perfect, you will be looking at God face to face. And when you are looking at God face to face, according to the Bible, my friends, you're dead. Okay? What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that until we are dead, and our salvation, that which makes us Christian, is personified, is is completed, because we are now in the presence of God, until that day, we have some growing to do. We have some perfecting to do. We have some chastening to endure. And this chastening, this, this maturing as a Christian, can cause weariness. But only, according to this verse, when I despise the chastening. And that's a key. In other words, sometimes I want you to understand weariness is a result of fighting against the correction of God's word. 
If I'm accepting the correction, if I'm accepting his guiding hand in my life, which sometimes is correction, sometimes it's comfort, if I'm accepting that, then the weariness seems to not be described as part of the experience. The weariness comes in specifically when I'm rejecting the correction, when I'm rejecting the chastening. Okay, so I want to show you, let's see here, two thoughts, and then under each of those thoughts, I've got some some points to make. Okay, so I'm kind of separating the message into two parts, or separating the this podcast into two parts. It's going to be given just once here, so strap on and hold on with me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So within those two parts, though, there's going to be some points that we look at. The two parts of this podcast are going to be broken down to, number one, what is the danger of becoming weary? And number two, how do I fight becoming weary? So we're going to look at what the danger of being weary is, and we're going to look at how I am to resist becoming weary. So let's look at the first part. And there's two parts under this first aspect or this this uh, this first section of the podcast of, of this particular message. Let's look at number one. So back up a little bit. By way of introduction, I understand that weariness is a direct result of correction. More specifically, it's a direct result of rejecting the correction that the Lord's trying to introduce into my life. He's trying to mature me. He's trying to correct me. And I'm resisting that and I'm fighting that. And it's causing me to be discouraged. I'm giving way. Sometimes the world itself, apart from the Lord, can create all kinds of discouragement. But here's what I want you to understand. If my focus is on the King of Kings, if my focus is on the Lord, my Savior, Jehovah, the self-existent one, Jesus Christ, then is there any shortage of encouragement in that relationship? The answer is no. He is the God of healing. He is the God of encouragement. And if I keep my focus on him, the new man can be renewed daily, can be encouraged by the Lord, even though the old man can feel discouraged. Now, I'm not trying to say that you'll never be discouraged. Folks, I'm a Baptist pastor in a city predominantly run by other than Baptist, just to say to say it that way. Discouragement's a part of it. That doesn't make it right. I'm just telling you it's part of it, okay? And discouragement can be a part of your experience as a Christian. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you not saved. It doesn't make you uh, a failure. I, it, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that discouragement doesn't have to be the way in which we live the Christian life. We can live a victorious Christian life, not because we have results that we define as victorious, but because we are fascinated and connected to the God who loves us. And no matter what goes on in the temporary, our eternal is secure. Our victory is sure. That's all the encouragement in the world, folks. Friends, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you will see him face to face. Old things are passed away. Old things are become new. And one day at the culmination of our salvation, which means we pass from this body and we enter into whatever the Lord has for us next, we'll see him face to face and we'll be with him forever. Until then, until then, we are in this body, on this fallen earth. Discouragement's a part of it. The purpose of this podcast is to try to encourage you biblically from the doctrine of the Word of God how to not be discouraged, but how to have a victorious Christian walk, all right? So part one, what is the danger of becoming weary? Underneath that, let's look at the first point. The first point is evil, and that's a broad term, but that's the term I'm going to use. Evil will always strike when you are weary. Evil will always strike when you are weary. Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at some Bible on this just because I want you to very clearly understand this isn't my opinion, that this is the Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 17, and I'll look at the first four verses here. <clears throat> I love um, the story of David within, within the Bible. 
And we see something here, Second Samuel 17, starting in verse 1, down through verse 4. It says, Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only, and I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all returned, so all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Jerusalem, and the story goes on here. We're kind of jumping into the middle of a story here. But this is at the later part of the reign of King David, one of his sons, having gained the heart of the people, uh, attempted a coup, if you will, attempted to take the throne, and did, and David fled. And he had some people working for him, and one of those people is a name, uh, is, a, is a fellow named Ahithophel. And I want you to notice his, uh, his idea about ensuring this, this coup's success, if you will, he said in verse 1, let me now choose out 12,000 men. I will arise and pursue after David this night. So David's running, he's fleeing, and Ahithophel says to Absalom, give me 12,000 men and I'll go get him. I'll go get that king. Verse 2 says his context or his idea about how he was going to get him. Verse 2 says, and I will come upon him while he is weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid. And all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. Isn't this interesting? David was a warrior. David, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, or God, told David he was prevented from building him a temple because David was a bloody man. David put together from the distressed, the discontent, and the and the displaced, 2 Samuel 22, 2. Let me just go over there and read that. I think it's 1 Samuel. Let me double check this. 1 Samuel 22 and verse 2 talks about some of David's men. It says, Everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. These 400 men, some of whom came on or went on to become David's mighty men, are defined by the Bible as one of the most well-trained, effective fighting forces, physically speaking, that the world has ever known. David had some ability. David had some gifts. David had some power to put together some men that could that could do some damage, that could that could uh, fight some wars. Ahithophel knew that, and he told Absalom, "I'll go after him. Give me twelve thousand men. I'll go after him, and I'll get him. And here's when I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it according to verse two of chapter seventeen of Second Samuel, when he's weary. When he's weary." He goes on to say, and weak-handed, and when he is weary and weak-handed, and make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee. So what's the danger of becoming weary? Well, according to the Bible, weariness is one of the effects on the Christian life that the enemy is looking for. You think that it's dangerous now. Wait till you become weary. As it says in Isaiah, if the footmen worry you, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? Folks, weariness is a gift to those who hate the Lord. My weariness, and again, if I were to define this in two ways, my personal weariness is a result of me rejecting the correction of the Lord. My weariness in spirituality, uh, in, in, in religious matters, can sometimes be just the world just doesn't ever let up. It just, it's just a continual battle. Whichever one we're talking about, that's, the, that's a dangerous time in your Christian walk. That time is a time in which the enemy is looking for you. His endeavor is to make you weary. Remember that word weary is a word that means a place in, in your own existence which you are willing to yield to discouragement. 
It's being tired, but specifically being tired of a very specific, very particular thing. Weary. I've told you before, I used to be a fighter. One of the things I respect about that world is a couple times I got to face off against some Muay Thai guys. This is a Thailand kickboxing. Okay. And um, one of the things the world, the fighting world at least, did not respect in the past is the ability of those guys to do what's called leg kicks. And, you know, you can take one leg kick or maybe two or maybe five, or if you're just a hoss daddy, maybe even 10. But, man, when those guys start connecting at the same exact place on your outer thigh for 12, 13 14, 15, 20, 25 times in a row, your leg begins to shake as that place begins to develop scar tissue and blood clotting to try to suppress the massive traumatic injury that it's receiving. Even though you've got lots of air left in your lungs and lots of power left in your upper body, your legs go out from underneath you. That's the idea of yielding to discouragement, but a very particular kind. That's the mastery of Satan. He'll hit one area over and over and over and over and over again. You have to succeed 100% of the time. He only has to succeed once. And that can get weary. Except the Bible says he that is within me is greater than than he that is within the world. Talking about someone who has accepted Christ. So if I have Christ in my heart, if I've accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says old things are passed away, all things are become new. I have the power by God's grace through the sacrifice and blood of Jesus Christ to face things that I've never been able to face before. And through the power of God, I can have the victory no matter how many times the devil goes after the exact same weakness within me. And he will. And here's the other promise. He'll wait until he's hit it 15 times before he really goes after it. Do you think, I tell the folks here at Wasatch Front Baptist Church all the time, has it ever dawned on you that nothing's ever dawned on God? You're not going through something that God doesn't know you're going through. And the Bible says he will, God is faithful. If he's allowing you to go through something, I'm paraphrasing, he'll make a way for you to escape. And so if I'm going through something in life, then according to the Bible, the very first thing that I need to remember is that I am exactly where I am allowed to be by God. And if God let me be here, then he's faithful to make a way for me to escape this. The problem, the reason we fail, the reason we get weary is because instead of focusing on the Lord and the Lord's desire and the Lord's doctrines, we get so wrapped up in what we want and we reject the correction and the chastisement of the Lord, as it says in Proverbs chapter 3, 11 through 12, and we focus on our own self. We focus on our definitions of encouragement and success, and when we do that, we fail, we get weary, and we get beat because we're focused on ourself. As Christians, we're supposed to focus on the victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because within the focus of him is all the encouragement that the world could ever know. What a wonderful God we serve. So what is the number one danger of becoming weary? Well, according to 2 Samuel chapter 17, evil will always strike when you are tired. When you're tired. So when you get weary and you get discouraged. Folks, let me break away for just a second. Most of you, I'm assuming, listening to this, you don't know me, and I don't know you. But because of God, and because of God's grace and Jesus Christ's sacrifice, I can say this without pandering to you. I'm I'm 100% telling you the truth right now. In Christ, I can say, I love you. And I don't want you to live a life of discouragement. I want you to live a life of encouragement and victory. And the only way to do that is to accept the chastening and chastisement of the Lord, which he does through his word. The Bible says God makes himself manifest through preaching, preaching of the doctrine of the word of God. In that, 
The flesh might be challenged and convicted, but the inner man, if you've accepted Christ, can be renewed day by day. Every day through the Bible, you can start with fresh grace from God and have the victory. You don't have to yield to discouragement. When you do, when you become discouraged, when life hits hard, and it will hit hard, folks, that's dangerous time. Because that's when the enemy that's what the enemy's waiting for. He's waiting, as Ahithophel said, I will come upon him while he is weary and weak handed and will make him afraid. That's a coward. That's what the enemy does. He waits until you're weary and weak handed and afraid, and then he gives you everything he's got. But imagine if the enemy who waited for you to become weary, weak-handed, and afraid and unleashed all his dogs of war right at that moment only to find that it wasn't you who was keeping you safe. It was the Lord. It was the Lord standing there, standing in the gap of your life, promising to protect you and to keep you safe. That's the power of Christianity, folks. I don't have to fight these battles. All I need to do is stay encouraged and stay focused on my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Bible promises, God promises me through his word, he'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. So under the first part, what is the danger of becoming weary? Number one, evil will always strike when you are uh, weary. Excuse me. And number two, when you are weary, you start to doubt your own value in God. When you are weary... You start to doubt your own value in God. We see this in Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. And look what it says down there in verse 46. The Bible says this, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heath. I, Jacob, take a wife of the daughters of Heath, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Here's a story of a woman. I know we're jumping right into the middle of this, but Rebecca said to Isaac, so I'm weary of my life. She goes on to say, what good shall my life do me? So the second point is when you are weary, you start to doubt your value in God. Here's Rebecca saying, I, I'm tired. I'm tired, and my life isn't worth anything. Folks, oh, my heart breaks. I'm a chaplain here in Salt Lake City for the Salt Lake City Police Department, and I have more than I would like to remember been on scenes where people who were just weary with life made a very permanent solution to what was a very temporary problem. What happened? They got weary. They got discouraged. They got defeated. And they started to doubt their worth. They started to doubt their value. And they took that doubt. They took that fear all the way to the end. You see Rebecca say that. She said, I, I am weary of my life. She goes on to say, what, what good shall my life do me? She, but I want you to understand, look, what, what good shall my life do me? You know, there's kind of a selfish aspect to that. Folks, as Christians, I want you to understand our life is for others. Our life is for the glorification and testimony of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our life is to reach others for the cause of Christ. What good shall my life do me? Well, according to the Bible, my life should be doing the Lord good. And in that, the Lord does me good. My worth is no less or no more than anybody else's. Your worth is no less or no more than anybody else's. When you ask yourself the question, what good is my life? I want you to answer it. Well, if your life was focused on Christ, it would be a life that could reach others for the cause of Christ. And what good is their life? Their life is no more, no less than your life. And your life is no more, no less than their life. And God gave his life for all life. So weariness is dangerous. It's dangerous. When you get weary, you must run to the Bible. You must run to the Lord. 
and let him tell you how much he loves you. Let him tell you how much he cares for you. Let him tell you that he gave the life of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that you might have life everlasting. Life, as the Bible says, more abundantly. That's the value of your life. Jesus Christ loves you. God loves you, and he let his son, Jesus Christ, die so that he could have a relationship with you. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the mediator, the go-between between God and man. So what's your worth? Well, your worth, according to your creator, is innumerably valuable. Innumerably valuable. So what happened? Well, you got tired. You got tired. And it's okay. I understand. But that's not where you have to live. You can run to the Lord. I tell folks, once you have me in your life, for good or for bad, I'm in your life. You call me, and I'm going to come running. I'm going to come running. I'll bring whatever I need to bring with me. I think the same thing for our law enforcement. Being a chaplain with law enforcement, the call comes in. There's different priority levels to calls that they take. But when they get a high-priority call, they go full method. I'm talking lights, sirens, pedal to the metal. They're trying to close the distance between them and whoever called them as fast as they possibly can. They have no idea what they're running into. They have no idea what they're going to find waiting for them. They're just trying to get there. I want you to understand something, folks. When you call on the Lord... He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what he's running into, and he'll come running. He'll get there. What's the issue? Why don't we do it? Because when we call him, it comes with correction. Because we are his, and he will chasten and correct those he loves. And when we reject the correction, we reject the comfort. And that's why so many Christians today are living defeated lives because to get the victory would mean accepting the correction, and we're not going to do that. Oh, folks, folks. This is, this is one of the most difficult parts about being a pastor, is watching people stand literally within touching distance of the truth, have the Bible right there on their lap, and they hear the Lord say, son or daughter, I love you. You're worth everything to me, and I want to give you a victorious life. And they say, no. Why? Because they think they've got it figured out. They're going to do it their own way. That's just heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. So that's the first point, or that's the first part. What is the danger of becoming weary? Well, I understand, number one, evil will always strike when you are weary. Number two, when you are weary, you start to doubt your own worth. Now let's look at the second part, and I have three thoughts under this second part. How do I fight becoming weary? So now that I understand the dangers of becoming weary, how do I fight it? That would be an interesting question. Before we jump into that, I want to show you something Job said about being weary. Job chapter 10. Job chapter 10. Job finally got this figured out, and the Lord gave him the victory. <clears throat> Job chapter 10 and verse 1, look what the Bible says here, records Job words. It says, my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Now, later on, Job said in chapter 38, 39, 40, and 41, he got to the end of the Lord confronting him, and Job said, I will lay my hand on my mouth and speak no more. He got to this point where he understood that he was the problem, and that even though he had gone through all these things in life, the Lord knew exactly where he was. The Lord loved him, and the Lord reached down to him and, and healed him. And so then he, he realizes what I'm about to show you is there's three parts about how to fight becoming weary. Let's look at Joshua chapter 3. The first thing I want to show you here is, uh, now, before I do this, I want to, I want to, you're, you're probably going to be waiting here for something really deep and meaningful. And, um, I, I believe this is uh, very meaningful, but it's not that deep. I want to give you three aspects of life, uh, habits in life that you can incorporate right now that will help you in 
fighting off this weariness because we know we understand now that weariness is dangerous. The, the, the enemy's waiting for me to get weary, and if I give in to weariness for too long, I start to doubt my own value and my own worth. So how do I fight this? Um, Joshua chapter 3. Now, this is really interesting. Joshua took the place of Moses, and he crossed over the Jordan to take the promised land for the nation of Israel, um, which became a nation upon their exodus uh, of Egypt. If you understand, the entire nation was born into slavery. They didn't exist apart from their foundation, which was in Egypt. And Jacob, who became uh, Israel, um, is let out of the out of Egypt by Moses. They're in the wilderness for 40 years, and Moses dies on the other side of Jordan, and Joshua is now commanded to take them over. And he's got these battles that he's going to fight. The story of Joshua is amazing. If we, if we start off in just chapter 3, verse 1, look what this habit, we just get a, a glimpse of Joshua's habit. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, and Joshua rose early in the morning. And then it says what they did. He rose early in the morning. When he was getting ready to cross over Jordan, he got up early. And this is not the only time we see it. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. He got up early. Jump down to verse 15. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose up early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. It goes on to say uh, the victory over the siege of Jericho. We've now seen three different verses that give us a glimpse into the habit of Joshua. Joshua was leading a nation into war. That can be weary. That can be discouraging. And one of the habits that he set up in his life was what? You're driving, you got your hands on the steering wheel, you're thinking, you're listening, and you just might have mouthed the words, I don't know what. He rose up early, folks. He got up early. Chapter 7, verse 16. The Bible says here, um, I'm going to find it here. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He got up early. Chapter 8 and verse 10, and Joshua rose up early in the morning. You say, that's really your first point? You're, you're really going to tell me that fighting weariness just is a matter of getting up early? Well, it's not just a matter of, a, of that, but, I mean, hate me or love me, but God help me. It's a pretty good start, isn't it? Get up early, folks. I'm tired. Get up early. Get up early. Make it a habit of your life. Find You know how much value there is in starting your day versus your day starting you? When you can make your day react to you instead of you going through your day reacting to it, Get up early. Make getting up a conscious choice. You know what happens when you get up early? You win the first battle of the day because it is not easy getting up. When that alarm goes off and you have to fight your body to get up, it is not easy. But when you do it, look, listen now, boom, you just won your first fight. You're off to a good start, aren't you? By the way, there's another theory about this from a guy, a general in the in the military talks about making your bed because then you win the first task of the day too. It, folks, it's not deep stuff. It's little victories. Joshua, when he was faced with an overwhelming task, started the same way every time. Very simple. He got up early. So well, I'm tired. Get up early. Win. Oh, it's so comfortable that bed isn't it i am i'm getting older and i have lived a very interesting life okay i'm not trying to impress you but I, i'm just saying that some of the choices that i have made in life have led to residual effects all right my left knee has been totally reconstructed my right knee probably needs it 
My shins look like ground beef from being ripped apart by shrapnel. I've got a little bit in my left shoulder still. I used to be a fighter, and I've been told that concussions are very dangerous for me. My back seems to go on vacation about once every six months. It just decides, I'm going to throw you over to the left and bend you forward about 30 degrees, and I'll be back in about a week. I don't know exactly what that's all about, but it's painful. When my alarm goes off, I'm, I get up pretty early, 5, 5.30. There's this battle inside my mind, and there's all of these justifications that come rushing into the equation. You worked really hard yesterday. It would be okay for you to lay here just for a second. Get your bearings. Relax. Doesn't the Bible say rest? You could rest today. Oh, you could, you could rest. You could lay over and literally shut the world out for another two hours. And sometimes, folks, you just need some rest. But, boy, that's rare. What you need is to put your feet on the ground and stand your body up and get to work. When you do that, you win. You win the first fight. And you are now out in front of the power curve. And you're ready to go. And now it's just a matter of sustaining that. All we got to do now is just keep the schedule going. I'm up. I'm working. Drink whatever you're going to drink in the morning. You have water. You have milk. You have protein shake. You have whatever your keto-friendly you know what? I don't care what it is, folks, but I'm not trying to listen. This is so simple. When Joshua had an overwhelming task, one that weighed heavy upon his heart, his soul, his mind, his habit was to get up early. What would change in your life instantly if I, if you made the habit getting up early? You say, well, I have to go to bed a lot earlier to do that. Okay, well then go to bed earlier. Might it help to turn off the TV? Might it help to turn off the screens? For, you know, what if you set a limit in your house? No screens on after seven. <laughs> well, primetime TV doesn't even start till seven. Well, maybe we don't need primetime TV. Maybe we just need to rest in the evening so that we can get up in the morning. Pretty simple idea. Okay, um, let's look at this, the second part. So how do I fight becoming weary? Number one, get up early. Number two, you ready for this? It's going to be real deep, really, really meaningful here. Go to work. Go to work. Colossians chapter three. Let's look at what the Bible says on this. Colossians chapter three. And I'm going to read 22 through 24 Colossians chapter 3 22 through 24 make sure I'm where I should be I am all right servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service as men pleasers but in singleness of heart fearing God and whatsoever ye do are you with me whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive a reward for the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. There's no respect of persons with God. And what does God say to all people? Do it as best as you can. Give it everything you got. Don't hold anything back. Do it heartily. So, number one, how do I fight weariness? Get up early. Number two, what do I do? Go to work. Oh, folks, I don't know what to do with a man who doesn't work. And I'm not trying to be hurtful or, or, or judgmental. I just don't know what to do. Because men, especially men, are designed to work. That's how God made you. That's how God made your body to work. To, to, to build, to endeavor, to struggle. You say, oh, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. Okay, uh, what would happen, and you're going to find a lot, the Bible has a lot to say about this. The Proverbs chapter 31 has a lot to say about what the Bible refers to as the virtuous woman. What would change in your house? What would change in your relationship with your children and your husband 
if you were the first one up every morning and they found you busy, busy, doing something, contributing to, you are, they got up and found that they weren't the first ones up, that you had been up and have been up for a little while and you've got things rolling. What kind of example would that set for your sons, for your daughters? You're going to raise people who are contributing to this life. They, they know when I got up, my mom was already up. She'd been up. She'd been doing things. When I got up, my dad was up, gone, studied, and he's off to work. Oh, what would change in America if men and women would just go to work? You say, how did this turn into something? You think this isn't biblical, but we're reading verses that it, it is. It's, folks, we have gotten to the point where we overcomplicate things so much, and it doesn't need to be that complicated. It's very simple. Get up early and go to work. Well, I'm tired. Well, go to bed early so you can get up early. Let's change our existence. Let's change our focus. The Bible says when I'm weary, I'm vulnerable to attack. I'm vulnerable to discouragement. I start to doubt my self-worth. I start to doubt my value. Even though Christ says he loves me, God gave his son for me. I start to doubt all that, and I'm open to attack, and I'm discouraged, and I'm beaten down. What do I do? How do I get out of this cycle of defeatist attitudes? Get up early and find something to do. I'm sorry if it's not more complicated than that, but it, it sincerely is not more complicated than that. It says, do it heartily. If you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, eight, uh, 5 through 8, the Bible says here, servants be obedient to them which are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ do uh, excuse me, doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing service, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free, <laughs> whether he be bond or free. Isn't that interesting? Do service. Give your endeavors. I used to know a man named Les Cummings, Command Sergeant Major, United States Army, South Dakota National Guard, I believe. If I'm wrong, forgive me, Les. But I asked him one time, what, what, what is the secret here? Give, and just Is there something that you can tell me, a phrase? He's very successful at what he does. He said, son, give your love away. Give, give your love away. Give the best parts of you away, and they will come back tenfold. And I just, I've made, now that's a, that's a biblical truth, so I understand the value of it, but I've always heard him sitting, he was sitting across from my desk. I used to work in uh, different aspects of insurance and um, fixed indexed annuities for a little bit, uh, for a very little bit. And he was sitting across from my desk in my office, and we were talking about things, and he just told me that, and it stuck with me. And if there was never anything else that I got out of that job except for that one phrase, it was entirely worth it. Son, give your love away. Work. Give it away. You say, well, that's not how the world tells me to do it. In fact, there's a one-liner from a very common movie back in the day where he says, if you're good at something, never do it for free. And I'm here to tell you that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Christian, Christian, if you're going to live a Christian life, get up early and go to work. Find something to do and do it with every single fiber of your being. Give it everything you got. First Thessalonians chapter 4 First Thessalonians chapter four. Let's see if I can get over there here. And um, eleven through twelve. Look what the Bible says here. And they that study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. Verse twelve: that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. What's the secret? Work. Well, how? With your hands. Work with your own hands. Be quiet and go to work. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm discouraged. 
let me talk to the men for a minute. Gentlemen, do you know how encouraged you would be if you built something? Here's the thing that we want. We want instant success. We want an instant confirmation of our labor. And the things which are produced instantly aren't usually the things that last, except for salvation. And that was something that Christ did for me on the cross over 2,000 years ago. Instant success is followed most often by instant failure. And that's just the reality of it. You want something worth having, devote yourself to it. In some cases, it might take your life. Does that make it any worth any any less worth having? If you were to give it everything you had and the people who reaped the benefits of it were the ones that came after you, would that make it less would that make it worth less to you? You understand, gentlemen, that if you do your job, you'll give away more than you ever take. You'll give your labor away. You'll, let me tell you a story. I used to be an electrician, and I was building this. Uh, I, was, I was rewiring an addition to a, a a church in South Dakota that was on the historic registry. It was a very old building, and one of the things I realized was I had to punch through a wall to pull electrical from outside the building into this older part of the building. And I soon realized that the outside wall of the back of the church was 12 to 15 inches of granite. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. This is going to chew through 15 drill bits. And so the guy that I worked for literally put it in the bid. It would take a whole day to punch through this wall and to get a, a, a pipe through that wall because we, it's just going to take a lot to punch through that in a, in a neat orderly fashion. So by the time it came to do this, we got up, we took the hang ceiling down. I got up onto a ladder and I got to about where I wanted to punch through this wall. And I found a hole in the wall with a pipe in the wall. It went all the way through. It was empty except for a note. And I thought, what in the world's going on? So I got myself a little piece of copper wire, made myself a little hook, pushed it back there, pulled that note out, opened it up. The note was from the original craftsman of the building. And he said, with anticipation of future renovations, I have punched a hole through this wall. We've built this wall with this hole, and we put a pipe in it with the expectation that you would want to add on to this building. We don't even know what that looks like. This was built in the early 1900s. We don't even understand what you would need to do, but we understand that with the advancements of technology, and I'm paraphrasing, you might need to get through this wall, and we have done that for you, okay? Now listen, here's someone who worked over 100 years ago, and the benefits of his work then lasted all the way until I was up on that ladder. He saved my company, he saved the church I was working for, and he saved me personally thousands of dollars of labor, punching through 12 to 15 inches of granite. And he did it with forethought and foresight into a generation that operated with technology that he didn't even yet understand. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that that man's life was built off of work. The worth for him was in the work, and it was so valuable it reached 100 years into the future and helped me. That's work. That's value. That's, that's reward. Reward that he can take pride in, but he never took part of. Do you understand how important that is? He could take pride in his work even though he never took benefit in the part of it, never took part of the benefit of it. Where are the men like that? And why can't we be them? Ladies, let me talk to you for a second. What type of woman, what type of example are you setting in your home for your children? Do they understand that you love them through your work? Or is it just words? Is it just words? Let's look at the last point underneath this second part. So I understand, just by recap, what is the danger of becoming weary? Well, that's when evil attacks. What's the second danger of becoming weary? Well, I start to doubt my own value and worth, even though God tells me that I'm worth it to him. Okay, so how do I fight it? Well, number one, I get up early. Number two, I go to work. Number three is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes... 
and chapter 12. I'll read 12 through 13. The Bible says here, and further by these, excuse me, and further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Okay? Number three, keep your focus on the basics. How do I fight weariness? I get up early, number one. Number two, I go to work. Number three, I keep my focus on the basics, the whole matter. The Bible literally says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's the conclusion? Fear God. Keep his commandments. Well, what else is, what, what else is there, Nolan? Folks, nothing. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Well, what are his commandments? Fear God. Love others. Love them. Well, I'm weary. Get up early and go to work. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay, let's, let's get rid of the hemming and hawing and sawing and back and forth stuff. Let's just deal with the basics, the, the absolute, fundamental, easy, top stuff here. Okay. If I get weary, I'm not only putting myself at danger, but I'm putting those who I love, those who are around me and depend on me in danger, because that's when the enemy strikes. That's when he waits. That's what he waits for. Okay. Second thing, when I'm weary, I start to doubt my worth. I start to doubt my value. I get weary of my life. I get weary of me. And folks, you can run from a lot of people, but you can't run from yourself. When you run from yourself, you eventually will run out of places to run to. And then they take permanent solutions to temporary problems. And then you get a guy like me talking to your parents, talking to your husband, talking to your wife, talking to your children, trying to encourage them and comfort them because of something that you have done. I got to go and tell someone your dad's not coming home or your mom's not coming home or your son or your daughter's not coming home. They got beaten by discouragement in their life, became open to debate. Folks, I don't want to hear, I, I, that scares me for you, for me, for people. Don't be weary. That's when the enemy strikes, and that when you, that's when you start to doubt it. So, okay, so, okay, I got that. You say, I, I got that. What do I do? Okay, get up early, go to work, and focus on the basics. What are the basics? Love the Lord. Love the people God put in your life. Work for people. Love them. Devote your life to them. Take correction because that's where the value is. Take the chasing of the Lord because that's where the honor is. Live in that place where it's okay to continually become more of a man or a woman or a Christian for the cause of Christ. Take the correction. Love the correction. Take the value of being matured by the grace of God through the preaching of God's word, through your own personal private prayer time with the Lord, through your time in the word of God. Live there. Occupy that space and live a victorious Christian life. You don't have to be discouraged. Folks, God help me. God help you. I love you. I want you to have the victory. I want you to have the type of Christian life that is so rewarding and uplifting. And the only way to do that is to take the correction of the Lord and love people. Love people because God loves them as God loves you. And so we're going to get up early. We're going to put our feet on the floor. We're going to straighten our back. And we're going to put one foot in front of the other. And we're going to find something to do. And we're going to keep focused on the basics. And we're going to leave the rest in the hands of the Lord. As I've told the folks here at Wasatch Front Baptist Church many times, the duty is ours. The results are his. Folks, thank you so much. I hope that this has been a blessing. I hope that you are enjoying the fall, getting ready for the festive uh, holiday season. Uh, you're just like, are you really talking about that? I know. I absolutely love it. I have a brother who loves Christmas and absolutely just drowns me all year with a calendar that says it's so many days, so many hours, so many minutes, and so many seconds until Christmas Day. And I just, this year, I for whatever reason, I'm with him. I'm looking forward to it. It's such a great family time. Let's pray 
and go about our own business. Father, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the doctrine of the Bible. Teach us how to approach you, Father, with the humility and expectation that we're not yet perfect and that we have some growing to do. Help us to love each other and to love you. We leave these things in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you next time. I love you.